two things come to mind when it comes to changing the name is one, uh, I think it makes the merger easier on the employees and on the two companies, particularly at like a, a you know, a, a, a higher level. I'm talking about like, you know, at the, the CEO level, at the COO level, makes it a lot easier that, you know, you don't have this kind of competition between this company versus that company. Like now we're one company and you can kind of see that through the FCA CEO stepping down and their CEO becoming, you know, the CEO of, the, of this merged company. Um, and then on the other hand, I think there's power in a name, right? You know, if I'm, if I am FCA or if I'm Stellantis, or rather, if I'm another company coming to negotiate with Stellantis for like parts or material or something like that, there's a lot more power behind saying that like, hey, like we're Stellantis and we're not just like, I'm not just FCA anymore. I'm now double, you know, the capacity, double the capability, double the, you know, revenue that I was before. What is up, everyone? This is Ahmed Shima here, live with uh, Abdulmanan and the one and only Amar Al-Kuka. Uh, Amar is joining us for a special mini-episode of the Branding Deep Dive podcast. It's uh, another one of those rough cuts where we don't edit anything. It's just uh, strictly a quick conversation because we were inspired. And what inspired this conversation is Amar actually texted me uh, when he found out that Fiat Chrysler was changing their name to Stellantis. So, Mar, you're the expert in this uh, in this scenario here. Why don't you walk us through? First off, let's talk about. Can you give us a brief introduction to who you are, what you do, that kind of thing, and then let's get right into it and talk about uh, Fiat Chrysler and the the change in name to Stellantis. Yeah. So, um, uh, I used to be a uh, youth director a couple years back. Um, I had a, a great experience with that. Um, and I learned a lot about, you know, marketing and branding and, and kind of building a name for yourself. And then I, uh, uh, and then I moved on from that and I became a web developer, started working at the company I'm currently at. I've been working there for the past two and a half years. Uh, and, and that's where I am. Um, but with this, uh, this new name change, it's actually not, the news came out kind of recent. It was kind of like solidified recently but it's not a very new thing. So back in, just to give you guys some history, back in 2019, uh, FCA, so FCA like loves to do mergers, you know, they used to be Chrysler, they merged with Fiat and now they're Fiat Chrysler Automotive. They like anytime, you know, like, like, oh shoot, like our, you know, our stocks are down, like <laughs> merge, merge with the company. Um, but it's, it's worked for them and, and it saved them a lot of money and it's expanded them like, you know, to, to like a huge vehicle population. Uh, so back in 2019, they were trying to merge with this French company and the name, the name escapes me. Um, but the French government actually was not down for it whatsoever. They, they didn't allow it because it would have made them like, you know, too big. So instead of merging with them, they, they reached out to this other company named, uh, PSA group, uh, which is, uh, uh, I believe also French. Pakistani um, also Student Association, right? <laughs> yeah yeah that, that's where yeah <laughs> um so they did this merger and um they spent a long time doing the merger and whatever and then like mid or kind of late last year late 2020 they finally unveiled their new name their new so both companies are merging into this one new company and even like um like the fca ceo 
uh, Mike Manley is no longer the CEO anymore. And the PSA, which is kind of, I don't know how they discuss this, by the way. I, if I was Mike Manley, I'd be salty. But um, the PSA CEO is now the, like, the hyper CEO of both, uh, uh, of both companies, or now it's Stellantis. So they, yeah, they unveiled this new name and, uh, and yeah, like here, here they are, you know, I, I, I think the main reason why they created this new name is not really from a branding perspective, but more of like a logistical thing, mm. uh, because what the name you, is not, go ahead. What do you mean by that? The name is not being used. The name is an internal name, really. Like when they talk about it, they say this is a corporate brand. Meaning they're not really using this, you know, it's not really like, like client side. It's not facing the client. It's not being marketed at their, you know, people buying their cars. It's purely a corporate thing. Mm. Um, but even with that, I was kind of surprised because there's so much infrastructure you have to change, you know, just by changing a name, right? Like, uh, like their headquarters, they have to change everything everywhere that says FCA, they have to change it to Stellantis, all their emails, like everything, mm. you know? which uh, is just like a logistical nightmare, but they ended up doing it. Uh, so the, the question I have based on what you just said is like, you, you got to change your emails. You got to change all the graphics you have, all the buildings, you know, why would you go through the pain of doing that? Like, even yeah, if it's, so, if it's just internal, like, why not just kind of, Hey, we're still whatever, you know what I mean? Like wh what would inspire a company? Uh, and let's bring it back to like, let's say we have a merger. Let's say we got two cookie companies here. Um, and they want to do a merger. Why? Like, under what circumstances do they consider changing their name? Because that is, like you're saying, it's a big commitment. You know what I mean? Even mm -hmm. if they, so in the cookie example, if we take a, if it, that analogy, we're saying Cookie Company A, Ahmachima Cookies, is staying Cookie Company A. At, we're merging with Abdul Manan Cookies, but for all our customers, we're still Ahmachima Cookies and Abdul Manan Cookies. But internally, we're saying we are superpower cookies, <laughs> right? Like that's essentially yeah. what, because all your nameplates are staying the same. Chrysler staying the same. Uh, it, the ones internationally, what was it? Like Puget or I don't know how to say it, but like all the yeah, brands yeah. they have are actually staying the same Jeep, whatever. Yeah. It's just yeah. like you're saying internally, they're changing the name. So what, what, what do you think? Why do you think they would do that? And what inspires that kind of change? Well, I think one thing that's important to remember is that like money drives everything, right? With, with, with these kinds of mergers and these kinds of internal changes, money is 100% the driver. And FCA is actually saving, uh, uh, I think I thought it was $5.9 billion through this merger. So they're saving a lot of money. And I think uh, two things come to mind when it comes to changing the name is one, uh, I think it makes the merger easier on the employees and on the two companies particularly at like a, a you know, a, a, a higher level. I'm talking about like, you know, at the, the CEO level, at the COO level, makes it a lot easier that, you know, you don't have this kind of competition between this company versus that company. Like now we're one company and you can kind of see that through the FCA CEO stepping down and their CEO becoming, you know, the CEO of, the, of this merged company. Um, and then on the other hand, I think there's power in a name, right? Mm. You know, if I'm, if I am FCA or if I'm Stellantis or rather if I'm another company coming to negotiate with Stellantis for like parts or material or something like that, there's a lot more power behind saying that like, Hey, like we're Stellantis and we're not just like, I'm not just FCA anymore. I'm now double, you know, the capacity mm. 
double the capability, double the you know revenue that I was before. And so I think making that change kind of sends a statement to all of their like internal suppliers uh, 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 that they talk to. And um, uh, I think it also like you, you can kind of see that with the name. So the name Stellantis comes from the Latin verb uh, stello, which means to brighten with stars. Yeah, I know they really went kind of kind of far with it, but the idea <laughs> they went to a different galaxy. Honestly, when I heard the word, I, I was thinking Atlantis. I was like, they, it has to it must have something to do with Atlantis, <laughs> but I guess not. <laughs> um, yeah, like I, I think uh, basically the idea is that to brighten with the stars, the stars in this like example are all of their different car companies that they have. So like like Jeep, Chrysler, uh, you know, Dodge, Ram, Fiat, Maserati, all these different car companies that are associated under this name are what are brightening, I guess, this new company. So I, I think essentially what they're trying to make a statement and say is that like basically like look how much pull we have under our belt you know mm. through this new name that they're saying like we're not either one we're this mega company now which is now they're now the fourth largest auto company by volume oh wow wow and, and that that's from like i mean if you ask people that are at ford or gm they're like man fiat i mean chrysler is like you know they're dead or whatever you know like you have this yeah, negative yeah. perception and then now this merger uh into stellantis it really takes them up uh, to another level so that's pretty oh, yeah. cool yeah because so, like if you look at like um uh like ford and gm they don't really do that that amazingly overseas and so fca kind of has this mentality of like okay like maybe we're because in the u.s fca is, is number three right it's gm then ford then fca so they have this business model where they're like all right instead of trying to like fight for number one within the u.s why don't we like boost our international uh, sales by merging with another company it's actually mm -hmm. like a very smart move for them. So I want to, so I want to recap real quick and then I want to ask you a couple other questions. Um, so if I'm getting this correctly, you're saying a couple main points here. So number one is the corporate hierarchy, making it clear that we're all under one banner. So internally mm -hmm. is one reason why you would change your name. And number two is letting your internal suppliers, letting them know that, Hey, we, we have now expanded capabilities and we're this new beast. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, awesome. So, you mentioned earlier in the in the episode uh, that Chrysler has been through a couple different um, mergers, and usually they do it for the sake of saving money. I want to highlight one merger where <laughs> I don't think it worked out the way they wanted it to. So when they merged with Daimler, um, mm. I, th I think what happened is they they bought it for something like thirty billion, and then they ended up selling Chrysler after a couple of years for like two billion. Like they lost a lot of money, so it, it doesn't always go as uh, we expected. But yeah, like five point nine billion dollars that they're saving. One thing that uh, Omar, maybe you can touch on a little bit is um, companies, brands, uh, Ford, for example, Chrysler. They use like a, a frame of a car, and then they build multiple different cars on it. Now merging with a company overseas that has all these other brands and they're making these other cars already. What does that do for your, is that where you're seeing the cost savings? Like now you have a, a whole nother line of frames that you can kind of build your 
you know, platforms to build cars on? Or is, is uh, where are we actually seeing, how are we seeing the cost savings is, is I guess, what my question is. Yeah, so um, uh, I don't know too many of the details, but what I do know is that, uh, so now instead of FCA trying to establish a foothold in Europe, for example, and, you know, having to open up plants, having to, you know, do negotiations, having to really like kind of start from scratch. Now, you know, it's it's not even like FCA is trying to come to Europe. It's literally like I'm already in Europe, you know, mm, like, through this okay. murder, like, boom, we're there, you know. And it's like if I want to open another plant, it's not even it's not even something that I have to give a second thought because we're already we already have plants here. We're just mm. going to open another one. It's, you know, it's simple as that. So uh, being, you know, I think a huge part of the savings is the fact that uh, bringing FC, like American cars, like, you know, Jeep, Chrysler, Dodge, Ram to uh, uh, overseas, you know, across the pond is, is a lot more efficient now that they actually have like a real solid foothold in uh, uh, in Europe, mm-hmm. how, how many? Uh, I don't know if you know the answer to this question. How many car brands were under PSA Group, uh, like at the moment? I guess at the moment of the merger. Um, uh, I think it was eight from Chrysler and six from PSA. I believe. I know there are fourteen total. Okay. Yeah. Um, so it sounds like it, it would have made it. Uh, it sounds like it was a great financial decision. They have all the infrastructure overseas. They just bought uh, the. You know, paid an, uh, they paid an overhead cost to acquire, um, and then they expect the sales from all these cars to make up for that, um, given that they have like all the infrastructure overseas already. Sounds yeah, like yeah. a win-win situation for them. And it's so interesting because they even have like some pretty fancy cars um, under their belt. They have Alfa Romeos, they have Maseratis. So these are basically losing companies that aren't making money. And they're like, hey, I bet if we combine these together, make them our product, this is where we can turn us all around. And I thought it was so interesting that you also said that the PSA Group's CEO took over. Is that right? Is that what you said? <laughs> and the and the Chrysler Automobiles FCA stepped down. Yeah, I really wonder. Like, I, I just I wish I could do like a fly on the wall in, in that meeting. <laughs> in that meeting, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, how do how do you, how do you I wonder who, like, if the PSA guy told him, like, hey, you have to step down, that's, like, an absolute power move. So, you know, I, yeah. <laughs> I wonder yeah, how yeah, that yeah. comes with it. As part of this acquisition. But, you know, one of the things that we learned from a case that we were looking at is that um, it really depends on who can make the better decisions for the company. Um, hmm. And yeah, yeah. the people that have better uh, understandings of that or better awareness of that are, are the people that can make those decisions. And that ends up being a better move for the company because now whoever was the CEO of FCA, for example, they're probably, I don't know if they're fired, probably not, but they're probably doing something more specific in North America, um, whereas the PSA might be doing something more globally, stuff like that, where you relocate your resources to kind of make sure um, you're optimizing the uh, for the end result of the merger. Um, so that's definitely something we've come across before. So um, we might have to look into that uh, uh, thing- as well. Yeah, one thing I wanted to touch on real quick is uh, on the Branding Deep Dive podcast, we haven't really talked about uh, mergers or stuff like this in the past. And I think it's uh, there's a lot to actually discuss now that we're actually discussing it. Um, yeah. One thing that real quick wanted to just briefly mention is that, you know, companies are in different stages in the life cycle. And so companies like uh, Amazon, for example, are in the growth stage. So... Uh, 
generally, like, you're not going to be looking for cost savings when you're growing. You're going to be looking to just expand, expand, expand. Right? Okay. Now, companies like Ford, GM, Fiat, Chrysler, or Stellantis now, these are mature companies that have been around for a while. And when you get to a point in your business where you are reaching critical masses, then it's time to start optimizing your processes and really start leaning out. Right? And I think... Like, Amar, you really hit the nail on the head with explaining that this is really just all about saving money, mm. right? And so a lot of these decisions that we see uh, branding-wise, whether it's right or wrong from, from our branding perspective, this is, a, this is definitely the right move cost-wise, right? Especially yeah. if, um, if, they, if they play their cards right, right? So definitely an interesting discussion. Amar, uh, I know you have a little bit of a background in being a youth director, I wanted to just get your thoughts on, you know, as a youth director, you have to, you have to build a perception. You have to, oftentimes you probably have to change the perception that youth have on certain concepts and ideas and, and things like that. So I want to just talk about um, when you're actually naming a program, for example, right? So you did, uh, you had like a youth program there on Saturdays, right? Um, you guys had like a pretty sick, it was like a tree flyer, right? If I remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who, who, what are we talking actually, about? Unity Center? Yeah, yeah. So actually, if I can just dive into that a little bit. Yeah. What's really interesting is that uh, uh, what you said about, you know, like how important it is to, to brand yourself, especially in the youth director work, is that in youth director work, there's two really important things that you have to kind of keep in mind when it comes to branding. Number one is that uh, you want to brand yourself as like youth centric, but also without compromising on your values, right? Compromising on, on actual substance. And I think that's something that really can apply to any company that you're trying to brand yourself, you're trying to pull people in, but as you're pulling people in, you don't want to compromise on what makes you, you, you know? Mm. Um, and the second big thing is that youth in particular can can snuff out like fakeness like so easily so <laughs> if you're trying too hard if you are trying to like compromise and like trying to like you know pull them in and trying to do what like some like boomer adult things youth will like immediately they'll recognize like not even with a hesitation like immediately they'll recognize it and immediately like not only do you not pull them in you're just like completely x'd out in their mind like Mm. Your your branding has failed so hard <laughs> that like now they're not even they're no longer interested in, in, in anything you're putting out and it's very hard to pull them back in. So I'm wondering if this is coming from a personal experience. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm I'm I mean, getting there. I'm going through, oh nice, nice. All right. <laughs> don't, hey, don't worry. Um uh so the thing is about youth director work is that you fail a lot and there's a lot of learning experiences. So actually that Saturday program that you mentioned with like the sick tree logo, we called it uh, Rise like, you know, like rise, like, you know, like above temptation or rise, you know, like above, like, uh, uh, whatever it might be. Um, it was kind of like a general name. It sounded cool. Fire looks cool. Logo looks cool. Um, program failed within about eight weeks. Oh, really? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And like, uh, there's a lot of factors to why it failed. I think, um, I actually don't think branding in terms of like the, the name and the logo made that much of a difference. I think it was more about the fact that the, the, the target audience were not ready to receive it yet. Mm. So the target audience being high school, young high school boys 
in uh, 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 young high school Muslim males, uh, that base had not been developed yet to the point where they're like, you know, what? I do want, you know, to come to the mosque on a, on a weekly basis and like play basketball and, and, and do these activities and listen to us talk and things like that. They, they were more already in the mentality of like, well, I can just play basketball on my own. I don't need to come to your program. And mm. so the, the, I mean, actually, I think it, the, the, the issue is that the program, we try to brand it as like this, like come play basketball program is come have fun program. But really the, our target, target audience was already doing that. So they're mm. like, wait, like, why do I care about your program? And then later, later by the end of that year, which was 2016, we started another program and Saturday program as well. We called it um, Saturday Shabab. And Shabab is the Arabic word for like youth, specifically like, like young men. So we called it Saturday Shabab, which eventually the board made us change because they didn't like the name. They didn't <laughs> like that it was in Arabic and like it might be associated with something overseas. Just call it Saturday Youth. And <laughs> they they kind of strong armed us. Uh, uh, yeah, like literally I was like, uh, I'm like, no, like, I'm sorry, I don't agree with changing this. And they're like, they're like, you're changing it. And like in the next email out, it was just changed. I'm like, all right, I guess we're changing it. <laughs> but I understood their point. Like I understood their concern. But that program focused more on like bonds of brotherhood, you know, on personal growth, on, you know, spending time at the mosque, which was really the purpose of the program. Mm. But initially, like we tried to brand our first program as like this fun, whatever program. But in the reality, obviously, like me as youth director, my concern is not, you know, getting kids to play basketball. In my mind, okay, that's a means to an end, which is like bettering these young men, right? But the problem is the way we tried to market it was this like fun activity when they're like, you know, we can already have fun on our own. We don't need you to have, to have fun, especially yeah, yeah, yeah. like the community I was in is a very affluent community. And so a lot of the youth already have a lot of these things accessible to them. They, you know, many of them have cars, many of them have like money to spend. So there's not really much different that you're providing them. Whereas when you provide them substance, when you provide them uh, things that they don't really uh, already have access to, then it's like, okay, like now I want, you know, I want part of that brotherhood. I want mm. part of that, that growth, you know? Um, it, it, it sounds like you yeah. were, you started with like a cookie cutter template, but then you mm. went deeper and analyzed your target audience and you realized, Hey, this is a solution we can be pro- providing and rebrand it accordingly. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I, I think a lot of people in general, people want substance. People like substance, you know, people don't want mm-hmm. to feel like they're being marketed to. Mm. Right? Like anytime you feel like, you know, this, like if I see like an ad on YouTube, I immediately get upset, you know? Yeah. <laughs> sometimes, upsetness. sometimes on Snapchat, like the advertisements that I can't like click through, I won't watch. But then the ones that I can click through, I'll watch just because they didn't pay extra to, <laughs> to keep my attention. <laughs> yeah. But I see what you're saying. Definitely. You don't, you don't want to be marketed to. You, you show them, Abdul Nad. Yeah. You show them. <laughs> <laughs> Even though I've never bought <laughs> <laughs> I did my part, all right. <laughs> yeah, I, I think one one thing that I wanted to just touch on is that um, what Amar is really hinting at is that when you're starting something new, you need to have something that's different. You need to have a differentiator, and so um, you need to and, and understanding what your differentiator can be or will be has to start with understanding who your target audience is, hmm. right? And so once you found out that, hey, these guys already have all this stuff, then he's like, okay, they don't need this. This is what they need, right? So again, we talk about creativity and 
and really what innovation comes from. Again, I think the point here is that really just understanding what the problem is at a deep, deep level, just diving deep until you really understand what's missing and then building from there. So, Mar, uh, any other thoughts you have that you want to share with the audience? Any, any tips, any advice? Um, I, my advice would be uh, like one very practical tip is to survey. Um, that's something I, I did a little bit when I first became youth director, but like in hindsight, I wish I did way more. That surveying is something that is very, very important, particularly surveying your target audience, whether it's for your, your small business, whether it's for you know, your nonprofit, your youth program. It's so important to try and get like a really good po- like, you know, uh, population of your target audience and get their feedback. And, and sometimes you can be kind of surrounded by people who will tell you like, this is great or that's great. And you kind of be getting advice from them. But really, you're only going to know, you know, uh, uh, or you're only going to have a, a, a stronger idea of what people need when you actually go and ask the people themselves. Hmm. You're really powerful. Thank you so much, Amar, for making the time to come on uh, and yeah, share your thoughts. Yeah, sharing. We're, we hope to have you again soon. I think the <laughs> let's I want to really dive into the, the youth director, it, your time as a youth director and kind of some of the lessons you learned from there. So if, if we can get you on. Uh, you know, soon to discuss that. I think that'd be really beneficial. But yeah, yeah, th- yeah. again, thank you again for coming on. Uh, for the audience that's listening, uh, thank you for listening. Uh, we'll see you next time.